0: Day on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag.
1: Notice the if
0: and then.
1: Then I will cause you to dwell in this place, in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. Now, very important, please don't miss this. The love of God is Unconditional. The promises of God oftentimes are conditional.
0: If, then. God's love is unconditional, meaning you don't need to do anything to deserve it. But Pastor J.D. shares today that the promises of God depend on something that we do. He will love you no matter what. But if he's asked you to do something, there's a reason. And there's a blessing that will result from your obedience. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Jeremiah chapter 7 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth.
1: Why don't we begin with a word of prayer, if you would please join with me. Oh Lord, thank you so much. Lord, would you settle us down now and quiet our hearts and clear our minds and by the Holy Spirit, help us to focus our attention so our minds don't wander. Lord, I know that the enemy doesn't want us to hear what it is that you have for us here in your word, as always is the case. So, Lord, we're just going to ask you to keep us focused so our minds don't wander. And, Lord, for this chapter that we have before us, we desperately and readily admit that we desperately need for the Holy Spirit to be our teacher and our guide. Some tough stuff, but, boy, it's so good. It's so needed, as hard as it is to hear Lord, we need to hear it, and we need to take heed to it. And absent the Holy Spirit, we have no hope of doing that. So, Lord, you're going to have to do that for us, in us, in this time that we have together in your Word, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, so this chapter (laughs) is going to answer what is arguably one of the most stunning questions in all of Scripture as to why it is that God would say not to pray, (laughs) which is what he's going to tell Jeremiah as we're about to see God through the prophet Jeremiah says not to pray for this people because God won't hear those prayers. And again, as we're going to see, the reason God won't hear those prayers is because of the wickedness and the abominations on the part of His people in His temple. God knows the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end. Jeremiah does not, and God already knows that their heart has been hardened, their mind has been made up, and as such their fate has been sealed, and he's in effect releasing Jeremiah from praying for them. So before you start scratching people off your prayer list, let's get into this, and we'll see why it is that God would tell Jeremiah that. Verse 1, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Stand in the gate of the Lord's house, and proclaim there this word, and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all you of Judah, who enter in at these gates to worship the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. Verse 4, do not trust in these lying words, saying, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. Okay, we're off to a horrible start, just so you know. So I, I need you to think through this with me, and use your God-given intellect and imagination here, okay? Beginning in chapter 7 on through to chapter 10, it's known as the temple preachings, or the temple prophecies, because Jeremiah now has been commanded by God to go to the entrance to the temple, and proclaim, and prophesy, and preach this message. <laughs> um, and he's going to do this at the very entrance there in Jerusalem to the temple, where he will have the most people and the right people to hear the right message at the right time. They're not going to receive it. God's going to remind Jeremiah of this, as we're going to see later on in the chapter. But God is now commanding him to declare this, preach this, proclaim this at the entrance to the temple, this public preaching. And this is what I mean by (laughs) we're off to a horrible start because we already see here in specifically verse 4, the response to Jeremiah. And it's that of, this is the temple. It's all good. Nothing's going to happen. We're in the temple. They just assumed, and as again we're going to see, put their trust in, the temple. Now, God's not going to destroy the temple. This is the temple. The temple. The temple of the Lord. Oh, really? Verse 5. For if, keyword, you thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, if word again, you thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, if, verse 6, you do not oppress the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, or walk, what a list, after other gods, to your hurt, then, verse 7, notice the if and then, then I will cause you to dwell in this place, in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. Now, very important, please don't miss this, the love of God is unconditional. Unconditional. The promises of God oftentimes are conditional. If, then, if you do this, then I will do this. Replete throughout the pages of Holy Writ, we find promise after promise based on and predicated upon the condition that we do something. And if, if we do that, then God will do this. Example, there's plenty, but uh, let's take, okay, we'll take Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Very well known, right? Lean not unto your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and acknowledge the Lord in all of your ways. This is a conditional promise. If you will lean not unto your own understanding, if you will trust in the Lord with all of your heart, if you will acknowledge the Lord in all of your ways, then the Lord will straighten out your paths. He will make straight your ways. He will direct your paths. It's a conditional promise. So in other words, if those conditions are not met, then we cannot expect that God is going to direct our paths because we're not acknowledging Him. We're not trusting in Him. We're leaning on our own understanding. And those are conditions that have to be in place before God will do what He promises to do. Again, replete throughout Scripture, there are these conditional, but please, 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 The love of God is unconditional. But there are promises in the word of God that are conditional. And this is such a case here with Judah. If, 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 then I will. Now, it's important to understand, and there's a reason (laughs) I'm going to mention this at this juncture. At this point, I mean, everything is just going so well. I mean, the temple is packed, standing room only, overflow filled, no parking spaces, no room in the children's ministry classrooms. I mean, this was the happening place. It was going, growing, and glowing. Now, can you imagine how they would have received this from Jeremiah, God speaking through, prophesying through Jeremiah. And they're looking at Jeremiah going, what is your problem? What are you talking about? Look at this temple. Look look at how many people are coming. Oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry, there must be a huge misunderstanding here. Because apparently it seems like you have made synonymous the numerical growth with the blessing of God. Wow, God must be here. I mean, look at how many people are here. Well, if that's the case, then what about this really small church over here out in the middle of nowhere that nobody really knows about? God's not there, because there's not very many people there? Where is it, how is it, when is it, that we bought into this notion that just because there seems to be numerical growth that the blessing of God is there? Hey, this is the happening place, man. Um, you might want to ask Laodicea about that. You know what I'm talking about, right? Revelation chapter 3. I would venture to say that you would have pulled into that parking lot at <laughs> Calvary Chapel of Laodicea. I'm sorry, I'm just going to use that just for purpose of illustration. And you'd have been hard pressed to find a parking spot. That place was packed, man. There were so many people there. There's a problem, though. Jesus wasn't there back he's he's trying to get back in he's actually knocking on the door hey can i can i come in and sup with you and and you with me <laughs> he wasn't even there and that's what was happening here god was not in this and they had put their trust in taken pride in the temple Look at what's happening, man. This place is packed. And here's Jeremiah. He's out front. Where's security when you need him? He's telling everybody, amend your ways and your doings. If you, if you thoroughly execute judgment, and look at this list. Can you believe it? What they were doing? in how they were treating each other. If I'm not mistaken, I think there's only one of these that has to do with the vertical relationship between man and God, but the rest were horizontal in how they were treating each other. They were oppressing the stranger, the fatherless, the widow. They were shedding innocent blood. We're going to talk about that in a moment, very graphically by the way. They were walking after other gods to their own hurt. But that didn't seem to matter. They were doing all of these things. Oh, again, it's going to get much worse, as we're about to see. Verse 8. Behold, you trust in lying words that cannot profit. Will you, you ready for this list? Verse 9. Ready or not, here it comes. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense to Baal, and walk after other gods whom you do not know, and then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, we are delivered to do all these abominations. What? (laughs) Wait, 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 wait. Okay, let's just step back here for a moment. So they're trusting in lying words that have no profit, and they're stealing from each other. They're murdering each other. They're committing adultery with each other. They're bearing false witness against each other. Oh, they're burning incense to Baal. They're walking after other gods whom they do not know, and... And then, this is Monday through Saturday, and they come to church on Sunday. And they stand before the Lord in the house of the Lord and have the audacity to say, Ha! It's all good. We're delivered to do all these abominations. I mean, after all, look at the temple. Look how blessed we are. Look how many we are. Verse 11, has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of thieves in your eyes? Behold, I, even I, have seen it, says the Lord. Okay, couple thoughts here real quick. First of all, this sounds familiar, right? As well it should, because this is the verse that Jesus quotes when he cleanses the temple and overthrows the money changers' tables. He quotes this verse right here. You've made my house a den of thieves. You're hiding thieves in the temple. You're doing these things in the temple. This is my house. And you're coming into my house? And you're doing this? I've seen it with my own eyes. You've turned my house, my church, my temple, my place of worship into a den of thieves. But go now, verse 12, to my place, which was in Shiloh, where I set my name at the first, and see what I did to it because of the wickedness of my people Israel. And now, verse 13, Because you have done all these works, says the Lord, and I spoke to you, rising up early and speaking, but you did not hear. And I called you, but you did not answer. Therefore, I will do to the house which is called by my name, in which you trust. Did you catch that? Oh, you put your trust in the temple. You put your trust in your numerical strength. You've put your trust in that which I gave you, which is what he says next, in which you trust and to this place which I, I gave to you and your fathers as I have done to Shiloh. And, verse 15, I will cast you out of my sight as I have cast out all your brethren the whole posterity of Ephraim. Interesting reference to Shiloh. What was Shiloh? Well, it was a city close to proximity to Jerusalem. It was for what some believe to be about 350 years plus the location of the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. And this is why Jeremiah is told by God to have them compare what happened in Shiloh and to Shiloh with them there in Jerusalem. Because what happened in Shiloh was the tabernacle was destroyed. Why was the tabernacle destroyed? Because of their wickedness. In other words, Jerusalem, Judah... You remember Shiloh, your forefathers? You remember the tabernacle in Shiloh? You remember how it stood as a place where I did great things, the tent of meeting, the Shekinah glory of God, the Ark of the Covenant? This was the tabernacle that would then be replaced by the temple. Same design, but it was a temporary structure that would point to and foreshadow the permanent temple there in Jerusalem. And for 350 years, this was a place of worship. My name, my house, my tabernacle. And it was blessed. And then because of the wickedness, it was destroyed. The Philistines and the Assyrians would ultimately destroy it and take the northern tribes of Israel captive. And Judah, southern Judah, is going to follow in the same footsteps. And that's why he brings up Shiloh. What's the point and what's the application to our lives? I think we would do well to remember what's happened in the past and bring it into the present lest we suffer the same fate in the future. Let it be a warning to you. I'm pleading with you. I'm, I'm getting up early in the morning. I'm trying to call you, but you're not picking up. You're not answering. I'm pleading with you. I'm warning you, and you will not respond. I'm doing everything and stopping at nothing, and I'm trying to keep you from suffering the same fate as Shiloh, but that's the direction you're heading. That's exactly what's going to happen. And you know what's sad? That's exactly what happened. Therefore, and here it is, verse 16, we're going to spend a little bit of time on this. This is God now speaking to Jeremiah. Do not pray for this people. Now, stop right there, because the implication here is that Jeremiah was praying for this people. Otherwise, why would God make it a point to say, don't pray for them, were it not that he was praying for them? And he says, nor lift up a cry or prayer for them. I mean, he was crying out to God on behalf of the people of God, and he was interceding on their behalf because he then says nor make intercession to me and here's why Jeremiah for I will not hear you Jeremiah is being released from praying for this people because again God knows the end from the beginning God knows that they will not respond and God is, in effect, sparing and releasing Jeremiah from the burden of praying for them when he knows, God knows, that they will not repent.
0: You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for tuning in to this study in the Word of God. As you continue to learn from the book of Jeremiah with Pastor J.D., don't discount the things you're hearing. God may be speaking to you individually today through Scripture. We encourage you to keep reading on your own, too, to further understand what you've heard in this edition. If you're not already part of a local church that you call home, we encourage you to find one and attend regularly. This only helps you grow in your relationship with God and others. If you don't have a church home, come be a part of ours. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions, to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you can also access more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings like the one you heard today, including his weekly prophecy updates. In addition to that, you may be interested in the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This is a simple guide to understanding the good news of salvation in Jesus. As we continue to learn from the book of Jeremiah together, we'd be honored to pray for you during this study. Would you let us know what those prayer requests might be? Just fill out the contact form under the About tab at CalvaryChapelKaniohe.com. Or come find us on social media. There are links to our Twitter and Instagram pages on our website calvarychapelkaneohe.com That's all we have time for today but thanks for listening to this edition of In Spirit and Truth.